Today, we're going to talk about another Bill Gates conspiracy, synthetic and lab-grown meat. After Bill Gates' recent interview with MIT Technology Review, where he suggested that rich nations switch over to synthetic beef, the general public had a field day assuming it was just another one of his New World Order demands. everybody and welcome to Just Nas Science Podcast. Each episode we debunk ridiculous yet common science myths and misconceptions we find online and get just a little salty about them. I'm your favorite science teacher Lauren. And I'm your favorite meat eater Nick. Uh, before we get started we would love it if you were able to follow us on social media especially Twitter, Instagram and uh, even Twitch. We do live streams all the time and by all the time I mean every Thursday and Saturday and uh, you know you get to interact with us interact with us in real time and we have a ton of fun on our twitch chats and and streams so definitely come check it out all right so let's hop into some of the reactions from bill gates's interview about the u.s and other rich countries eating synthetic beef the first misconception was a quote the cumulative effects of eating this over long periods of time are predictable some might have little or no effect while others will cause harm who wants to be the subject of this grand experiment Obviously, Bill wants us all to be test subjects. And I don't understand. It's not an ex. I mean, I guess it is an experiment in a way, but these things are researched, they're validated, they are tested, they are reviewed by the FDA. And I know in our last episode, we didn't really paint the FDA in a great light, but these are things that. Sorry. These are things that happen. And companies do their own internal quality assurance, which, again, you may or may not believe after last week. But, you know, it's uh, I, I, I don't know. We're going to talk about some of the misconceptions about eating synthetic beef later. But, um, but I should say I did have a field day taking some of these comments out of the, um, the interview online. So I'm sure. Um, so the next comment says, quote, the don't eat meat thing is just another piece of liberal propaganda to push the agenda of the new world order based on making liberals feel like activists. It is totally, un totally unfounded and is not supported by any actual science. Listen, I'm not going to come out and explicitly say what my political affiliation is, but if you listen to more than one episode, you will know where I stand. <laughs> and I eat meat all the time. But to say this isn't supported by any actual science sounds like some coming from someone who doesn't actually understand science. There's a lot of science that goes into this, actually. So yeah, I hate when people just throw that out there. It's like, you don't even know, though. So also, why would you say that? Did you get your invitation for the New World Order yet? No, I've, I'm I've waiting, been waiting for it. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is. I also got lost in the mail. The third and final quote is, Beyond Burgers had what? 21,000 times more estrogen-adjacent molecules that can shoot a man's testosterone levels into the low 200s milligram per deciliter when consumed regularly. Working from memory here, but I think those were roughly the numbers. In layman terms, it means current synthetic beef is actual lab-grown garbage and will have extreme adverse side effects in both men and women. Humans were built to take directly from nature. We're not going to replicate the careful nuances brought to us by 3.4 billion years of evolution in a lab overnight, if ever. Real men eat real meat. Man, I have so many comments about this. <laughs> now, the, the sentiment of 
it's really difficult to replicate what nature has done in a laboratory after millions of years is or billions of years is pretty accurate I, I i do understand that sentiment that hey this is something that's really hard and we should take extra precautions with the idea though that real men eat real meat is absolutely fucking stupid and yeah um also i'm very curious to know if this person actually believes in evolution because i always find that people who don't will even will use it to throw back in an argument like this and like you don't even believe in it so that, that's or a good understand point. it that is a good point but also i love that the working from memory here it's like <laughs> that just just killed <laughs> all credibility to me right there um, so. yeah yes and no there are plenty of things that i say that i remember and i might not have a you know a specific source for but yeah. so, so that's that's a little bit of bias right there on your end but even so, we will talk about the whole estrogen thing later. Yes, and synthetic beef and lab-grown meat are technically two different things, so we don't want to just lump them together. And we're actually going to define the differences for you right now. So, synthetic beef is, think vegan, right? Vegan meat, and I put meat in quotes, right? Think like a veggie burger, like the Beyond or Impossible Burger. Hey, that's synthetic beef. Um, but a lab-grown meat is actual like peppercorn-sized meat taken from cells from cattle who are then just sent back out to the field. So it is actual meat. There are uh, people and companies are also looking to utilize cells that would just be discarded during biopsies for lab meat. Um, and these cells are then grown in the labs. And according to a lab-grown meat startup, Mosa, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but quote, fibers from one sample grow to 800 million strands of tissue, end quote. Um, so Mosa is led by lab meat pioneer, Dr. Mark Post, who developed the first ever lab meat burger in 2013. Now, he says 800 million strands of tissue. How much does that really equate Ex to? That's exactly what Is that like a single steak? You know what I mean? Like, I, I gotta put that, I don't know the context of that. Yeah, being able to put that number in perspective is really important. And yeah, it's... Don't get me wrong. Sounds like a lot. It sounds like a, a huge increase, and you're probably not getting one sample, right? Even if you did have to use one whole cow, how many samples is that? And how many, if you could take one sample, however big that is, and turn it into 800, uh, 800 million samples, rather, well, now that's a huge... Uh, it is a big increase, but yeah, but if you put it in terms of like what goes on your dinner table, uh, it may not be as much as we're like thinking here. Um, it's definitely not 800 million steaks, right? But there's, I'm sure there's a lot of strands of tissue in a single steak. So. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about synthetic beef first. Reminder that synthetic beef is vegan meat like Beyond or Impossible Burgers. So one of the benefits is that you get greater control over the contents of the meat, such as fat content. It's pretty well established that eating a lot of red meat like burgers and steak can cause health issues like obesity, diabetes, and even some cancers. And heart heart diseases. Yeah, and, and cardiovascular diseases as well. So being able to control the ingredients and the nutritional content could mean that eating lab-grown, uh, I'm sorry, that eating synthetic beefs is healthier than naturally derived meat. Okay, so there is a claim that eating foods like the Impossible Burger or other soy-based products will cause men to grow breasts. Right, big honkers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so this this idea came from a cattle veterinarian a long time ago who made the claim that Impossible Burgers have 18 million times the amount of estrogen as conventional beef burgers, and that if men ate enough Impossible Burgers, 
they'd grow breasts. But I want to say, I want to kind of correct myself. I said, I don't know when he said this, right? Because if he was talking about specifically impossible burgers, then it wasn't that long ago. But I've heard for a long time ago, my dad used to tell me like soy was bad, has estrogen in it, and it could cause men to grow breasts. So this idea has been around for a while. Yeah, I've heard the same thing. People like, oh, don't drink soy milk. If you're a man, don't get soy protein, whatever. I've heard that a thousand times too. And technically, soy has no estrogen. Soy does have estrogen-like compounds called phytoestrogen, which does behave similar to estrogen, but the research is kind of split at the moment on whether phytoestrogen has a significant role in our health. It's important to note that there has been a study that was a randomized trial where men took a high dose of phytoestrogen every day for three months. That's a lot of phytoestrogen. And they saw no change to the amount of breast tissue. They did see other health benefits though, such as improvement in blood sugar levels and markers for inflammation. So they didn't grow giant boobs and they actually got a little bit healthier. So, But like, how do you think it went like, how do you think the guy that was, whoever was, the person rec- recruiting dudes uh, for they this? They must have been the world's greatest recruiter. They're like, hey, so like, we're checking to see if you would grow breasts. Are you down for this? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, I don't know how they how they phrased it, but that's that's a tricky enrollment. And yeah. good, for, good for them for getting that study done. Right. I wonder how many people enrolled. I, I, it was I like could, three. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> One was his dad. <laughs> okay. Um, you also have to think that Many Asian countries have um, high soy diets, right? And the men there don't have any additional breast growth, right? Or are more female-esque. So this shouldn't be a real concern, I think, for us. Um, Also, that cattle vet we mentioned moments ago did issue a retraction on his statement that men would turn into females, you know? But of course, that doesn't get any attention. So, but, you know, and also the damage is kind of already done on the idea. And... Let's, but you know, there is a flip side. Just because they don't cause men to just sprout boobs doesn't mean that they're entirely healthy either. A post by Harvard stated that the meatless burgers are high in fat and especially saturated fat. Saturated fats are the bad fat if we're keeping things simple. So, meatless burgers also contain a fraction of the flavonoids that's found in whole soy products. Flavonoids are thought to help with. Uh, the reduction of risk for things like cancer. So you're you're gaining some benefits. They said them, you know, there might be some um, specifically from phytoestrogen. You're getting a little bit uh, blood sugar reduction, and you, there might be some uh, less inflammation. But at the same time, you're losing the flavonoids, which might help in other aspects. Plus, if you eat these often, then uh, high saturated fats, which are bad for cardiovascular diseases. So then in reality, is it really even healthier for your heart? I mean, if probably in terms of nutrition isn't much healthier than eating an actual beef burger. It just provides people who are concerned about the ethical side of it a route to enjoy meat flavor. And maybe the environmental side, but we'll we'll get into that. So then let's talk a little bit about lab-grown meat, right? So we talked about synthetic and vegan burgers, but now let's talk about the actual meat, but that's grown in labs. So how do we even grow meat, right? So it starts with what um, what are called myosatellite cells, and they're stem cells found in muscle that can turn into multiple cell types, what we refer to as pluripotent stem cells. From there, the process is pretty complicated, but is similar to the cell culture technique used in research and the pharmaceutical industry. 
Okay. So the muscle cells are stimulated to grow at a much faster rate than they would in a live animal. And I want to take a quick sidebar to make a comment about stem cells. People often get wild whenever you say anything about stem cells because they don't understand the different ways stem cells can be harvested. In these Myo, uh, myosatellite cells, they're coming from muscle. So you could do a muscle biopsy and get a sample of muscle and reverse engineer it essentially into stem cells. We do this with skin all the time. You could take a skin sample and turn it into stem cells through uh, cell processing and engineering. And now you, you have stem cells from, from skin cells. It's not always from things like a fetus or anything like that. That is extremely regulated research. We so, should do an episode on that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. I wrote it down. Okay, nice. So keep that in mind when we talk about stem cells, unless specifically mentioning fetal stem cells or something like that, you, you probably should at least look at the source of the stem cells. Are they pluripotent stem cells uh, from fat cells, from skin cells? Where are they coming from? That matters a lot. So anyway. They can take all my fat cells. <laughs> <laughs> so as a result of lab-grown meat, you get meat that is more ethical than traditionally grown meat since less animals need to be reared and killed to meet demand. In addition to being more ethical, it may be safer to consume. A literature review from February 2020 suggests that cultured meat or lab-grown meat may be safer than conventionally grown meat because there's no chance of bacteria from a cow's digestive organs to contaminate the meat. So I don't really know how cows that are that are for human consumption get butchered, but um, I took part in butchering cows when I worked at a big cat sanctuary, and you know we were feeding it to to the cats, the tigers and lions, and it will say we did not kill them um it was during the spring we get an influx of farmers in the area who would offer them to us who maybe died during birthing and things like died naturally um he would offer it to us instead of letting it go to waste and so we would butcher it and let me tell you man it is it's a it's an experience <laughs> it's an experience man and sometimes look it's like i said i don't know how you do it for human consumption but man it's hard to keep things clean right it gets really messy in there and you always know when some asshole intern nicked the digestive tract and i'm pretty sure it was the stomach because then man it would stank so bad right and it's it's really hard to get it right every time and i don't know if, if nicking the stomach or that would contaminate the rest of the meat you know in terms of like human consumption wise it was fine for the cats they freaking loved it but it's like it would be so hard to do that perfectly every time yeah but also think about the number of bacteria that exist in things like the intestines and the colon. Yeah, I mean, no, th it's... those can contaminate food. And also, you have a decreased risk of zoonotic diseases like mad cow disease. Some experts argue that the constant growth of these muscle cells may lead to cancers within the lab-grown meat, but those cell lines, the, the, if you're growing the, the meat, right, and you notice a cancer starting to develop, obviously those wouldn't be sold to the consumer and it would result in a loss of time, money, and product for the business, but wouldn't pose a harm to us as consumers. Another benefit is that there's no need to immunize the livestock. Ideally, there would be less livestock, uh, livestock crammed in tight spaces, and the animals that are raised would have a greater quality of life because, as Lauren mentioned, you might not even need to actually kill the cow or the animal in order to use it. 
you can yeah, use you ones just, that are like little, literally like peppercorn size or or ones that died during like or inside childbirth or ones that were were sick or something happened where they they died of natural causes and it's deemed safe to use them for consumption or for the very least to grow these cells and now no no animals were harmed that wouldn't have died anyway but i will say it really is if you don't really know much about factory farming it is really um, horrible the way a lot of these animals have to live we said crammed into such tight spaces and that's why they need to be like pumped when fed with tons of antibiotics because once disease catches hold and they're in such close quarters it usually rips through the area really easily so that's why we have to constantly like make sure they have these antibiotics so that doesn't happen but yeah it's just like not a good life for them at all so i think if we could minimize factory farming like, you know that style of farming um cattle and chickens and stuff that'd be best you know, for the animals. I don't say we have to get rid of eating meat altogether, but I think it could wouldn't hurt us to even, like, decrease our consumption of it, you know? Uh, that's a tough... I don't like I, salad, I, so this is tough. Yeah, I know. Nick, Nick doesn't eat vegetables, so he uh, would have nothing yeah. left to eat. <laughs> anyway, moving Boston on. Bread. Moving on. But contrastingly, right, so we talked about some of the benefits, but um, some of the risks right, is the amount of steroids that may be presently used in a lab-grown meat. Unfortunately, at the moment, we don't really know the final concentration of these growth hormones in the final products, so that will definitely need to be monitored. Um, but just if you heard last week's episode about baby food, you know how important it is to test final products for things, for concentrations of whatever it is you're looking for, right? Because the final product would have the highest concentrations. Um, so, But another risk is also plastic use. So I know we've really been rallying around decreasing plastic use as a society, and I think that's fantastic, um, But because plastic has become a well-known endocrine disruptor, uh, meaning that it does have negative effects on the hormones in your body. So we also have to look at, yes, how is plastic being used in lab-grown meat, and is it affecting the meat that's going to be consumed? It's been previously shown that there is plastic in cell cultures that were grown in plastic containers. However... I do remember hearing a podcast a couple months ago, uh, and it was an episode that talked about lab-grown meat, and they weren't growing the meat in plastic Petri dishes. But imagine, and this might be a little gross to imagine, but imagine a large fish tank that's filled with water and nutrients and growth factors, and then this growing, developing muscle. So, so instead of using plastic petri dishes, they basically grew it in a, like a fish tank. And like, yeah, basically like a, like a large vat. If you ever watch like any sci-fi movie where yeah. they're like cloning humans and like those big tanks, yes, with like I could imagine it, that. That's Gross. basically what you need to picture. But like, do you need that large ass tank for like, like how much is that one tank gonna grow? Uh, you yeah, know what I, I mean, like, I, I I have no idea. I would imagine the longer it grows and the bigger it gets, the higher risk that there would be a cancer that develops in that line and you would have to trash it. So there's probably a point in which you'd say, okay, we've we've grown this enough where we can stop and then we can grow another cell line. So I don't know how large the tanks actually are. However, the way that these meats are grown is important and definitely will be a factor in health consideration. So are they being grown in, in plastic petri dishes? Maybe the initial cells the cell lines will have to be and then they get transferred into right. these large vats i don't know for now it's still a question it's one of many question marks honestly and i myself am still waiting to see what some of the more data and research about this says right so but we talked about health benefits and everything and, and even benefits for the animals but also what about the environment 
right? That's a big factor here. And, and this is what Bill Gates was kind of intending this for is to help combat climate change. The UN's Food and Agriculture Organization says that conventional meat production accounts for a significant share of greenhouse gases and land use. And they also predict that meat consumption will double by 2050, despite meat production nearing its maximum capacity already. And cell cultures are really important, but they use a lot of plastic and other materials to maintain a sterile environment to actually grow the cells. So we have to kind of just think like, it's really hard. I, and I was talking about to, this to Nick the other day is I would love to see them do the cost benefit analysis on this, right? The uh, plastic they're used, the amount of plastic, how that plastic is being produced and the energy used to produce that plastic, right? Um, the amount of energy to run these labs, water being used, right? You could keep going and going and going and trace back energy for so many steps back. It's hard to decide where to stop. You know, um, so I'd love to see like what they did actually include in this analysis. There's also a lot of water and energy required to power the facilities that grow the meat. It may not be that high right now, but there definitely will be an impact on the environment as more and more companies start to grow meat in the lab and scale production to meet demand, pun absolutely intended. <laughs> A large concern around climate change is the greenhouse gases emitted by livestock farms, which could be reduced with grown meat. A study from 2011 estimates a reduction in greenhouse gases by 78 to 96% when using lab-grown meat compared to livestock, which is tremendous. We would also use 7 to 45% less energy and 82 to 96% less water. But again, Will the environmental savings remain the same when production is ramped up? Right. And as I mentioned before, again, I just want to, so curious to know, I want to look at this report and in more detail and see like where they got these numbers. Because um, I said, okay, like you're going to need some water. So are you... Are you reusing water? Are you autoclaving and sterilizing the plastics or, or maybe you don't use plastic, maybe you use metal. Right. Are you are you using water tanker trucks to bring the water in? Are you taking into account the energy used by those tanker trucks to, to bring them in? I mean, like I said, you could trace the energy line so far back, it's hard to decide where to stop counting it as part of the energy used for this production. Although, But listen, I, I know livestock does use an incredible amount of water, um, and obviously methane is an issue from cow farts. I mean, that is definitely a thing, as ridiculous as that sounds. And I told my class that the other day, and I even paused for like a laugh, and nobody gave that to me. So <laughs> I was kind of upset. <laughs> but, but you also have, uh, I was listening to a podcast where they talked about pig farming, in, I think it was like North Carolina or something like that. And this whole town, the number of pigs outweigh people from like, tw it's like 20 to 1. There's like 20 more pigs for every one person. Well, some towns are, are really and sparsely populated. I know, but there's been documented health effects from all of the uh, butchering and, and the, just a the large amount of swine in that area. And this is something to consider. Health effects to people or to the pigs? To, to people. Interesting. And it's interesting to see that like, would areas where there's this disproportionate level of factories and butchering and livestock, would those areas become a little bit healthier? Mm -hmm. And would you have this inequity of, you know, livestock, livestock and factories and stuff? Uh, would that be as big of a problem if we switched over to lab-grown meat? Or would it be the same problem? We just start building factories in those areas and now you have the same kind of problems. 
True. First of all, I know someone who grew up in Nebraska and she was like, yeah, my town is like downwind of like a, a feeding farm or something. She's yeah, it stinks all the time. You know, and that's, that sucks. Yeah. that's That, that just plainly sucks. <laughs> I just want to point that out there. Um, but also then you got to think about, okay, for closing down some of these factory farms, would the jobs also lost by that be replaced by people or we gain more jobs by putting in these lab-grown factories or the skill set not transfer, right? Would you need different people to fill those jobs? So there's definitely a lot to consider here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the last question that I want to pose, and if you're listening to this, you can let us know on social media, but I'm going to ask Lauren right now, what will it take for you to eat lab-grown meat? Is there anything specific that's off-putting, whether it's safety or environmental concerns? Is it just the idea of knowing how it's made that you don't like? Or would you would that not bother you and would you just eat it? I mean, I, yeah, it's, I think on, on first thought, it's a little weird. Because I start to picture those sci-fi movies, you know, like shit floating in the tanks and like all this weird stuff. But I mean, if somebody put a, a lab-grown steak in front of right now, like I would try it. Um, I'm not saying I would go and replace all my meat immediately with it. I, I do want to see more research come out. And like like everything in science, things need to be worked out and be given some time to do it properly. And I want to do see, is this really environmentally effective? Yeah. Um, and who ran these analyses and all that stuff? Yeah, I, I would. Why, what I would, about you? I would definitely eat it. And I, I spoke to a friend yesterday about it, and I asked him, "Would you eat lab-grown meat?" And he's like, "Does it look like a steak?" I said, "Yeah, it is a steak." He's like, "Does it smell like steak?" I was like, "It is a steak." Does it taste like a steak? I was like, "For the love of God, it's a steak! It's a real steak grown from cow." Meat, yeah. He's like, "Then why are you asking me?" He's like, "Well, in all fairness, he would eat anything." <laughs> uh, this is the same person that I dared to dip a fully cooked uh, Italian sausage link into brownie batter and then ate it and decided that it tasted good and continued to do that. You also convinced him to have milkshakes all the time and he is lactose intolerant. Well, so. I didn't convince him. He suggested, I said, what are we going to do about dessert? And he said, we can go get a milkshake. That was on him. He wanted diarrhea. That's his problem. <laughs> Man, the, the struggle of lactose intolerance. Anyway, that's going to do it for us today. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and especially share it. It takes literal seconds to hit subscribe and click the five-star review button, and it would mean a whole lot to us. Positive ratings and shares on social media are the biggest ways you can help us spread this good, good science to even more people. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at JustNatScience. You can also visit our website, JustNatScience.com, where you can watch YouTube videos, read blog posts, or submit questions and suggest topics for future episodes. And don't forget, we put out new episodes every Tuesday. And as always, thanks for listening, guys. Later, you nerd. Later, Gators. <laughs>